sing the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath were stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible for smoke. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Our God is marching on.
y'all don't change preachers as often as we change piano players up here. <laughs> it's, it's the, ever since they come out with that musician's union, uh, we can't get them to play more than a song at the time, so we have to switch them back and forth. You think that's funny? I don't. <laughs> Let's stand and welcome everybody, especially if you see a visitor.
ಅವರಿಗೆ I want to tell you, I, I know y'all part of the Carver family, so you're going to be late, but y'all have missed some of the best singing you ever heard in your life. I just want y'all to know. Just, Kirby told me to tell you that. <laughs> no, that you didn't. Hey, Edward. I'll just give you a blank check, all right? Sir? Okay. <laughs> you know, you know when they have those uh, news conferences with the politicians and they call it a plant that asks the, you know, real bad question or something like that. He's a plant. I hired him to come in here. That's Edward Solomon. He hadn't, you live in Virginia now. But, uh, Edward, I'm glad to see you, brother. You come back more often, okay? <laughs> come, come back toward the first of the year. We'd be doing a, a, a budget then, all right? You come back with them companies. Look, look, this ain't about me. It's about the Lord. But uh, I am so glad that we can laugh. Um, I, I really believe that on a day-to-day basis, what people don't see in, in Christianity is the joy that we have. I mean, we're fighting a whole lot of battles. I personally think that as Christians, we're fighting a whole lot more demons than other people are fighting because they're trying to silence us. And anyway, you can preach tonight, Sean. Okay, I'll stop right there. <laughs> but look, we want to get started in all seriousness with a word of prayer. Tim Wade, would you lead us, please? You want to come up here? We'll be fine, okay? Let us pray. Kind of most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful again to be in your house tonight, Father, for another night of revival, Lord. Father God, how we pray that, that you've already laid on Sean's heart the message that you'd have us to hear, Father, and how I pray that your word tonight comes into our hearts, Father, how I pray that it lifts us up, Lord, and how I pray that it will convict us, Father, how I pray that, that it will build us up, Lord, how I pray that tonight we will draw closer to you, Father. Lord, we're so thankful for each and everything that you've given us, and we're thankful for this time that we have in your house tonight, Father. Lord, I just pray that you'd have your way and your will with the remainder of this service, Father. Just make your presence known. In the precious name of the Savior Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Look, Herbie's going to come and lead us in a congregational hymn, then we're going to have another prayer time, and then the choir will sing one more special, and Sean will come lead us in worship. Thank you for coming. Uh, most of the time on Wednesday night, I know that it is it is our folks and that, you know, folk, and we're glad to have visitors. We encourage that, but we don't encourage people. If you've got a church, you go to that church on Wednesday night if it's within driving distance. Uh, but I want to thank the church for allowing us to have two revivals a year. And, and again, I'm not in any way trying to tell other church what to do. A lot of folks are, are not having them anymore. And I'll just be honest with you, any time we can spend in the presence of God and hearing his word and, and letting the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, we should consider that an honor that God would allow us to do that. And it's an honor to have revival. And I appreciate the church allowing us that privilege. I want to thank everyone who has helped tonight. I want to make sure that in the event that you're not here tomorrow night, I don't want to forget to do this, but... Um, 
I want to thank you for your attendance, for your prayers, for inviting other people to come. I want to thank the musicians, the singers, the choirs that have been here. Please tell your mother and her choir that we appreciate them coming. The nursery workers, and uh, we do need someone for the tomorrow night. But I want to thank you for giving time in the nursery also so that parents uh, can be here. I want to thank the kitchen committee, uh, the Sunday school classes that have fed us, and uh, and, and again, just thank you for allowing us to have these moments here at the church. Kirby's going to come down and lead us in the hymn, okay? All right. We're going to sing hymn number 98, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. If you'll please stand. be seated. Look, tonight, again, I'll not go through the whole prayer list, but let me uh, especially share some folks that we need to remember in prayer. Uh, Please remember at Duke, uh, Katie Reagan. Uh, I mentioned last night that she would probably have some type of procedure done either today or tomorrow. They didn't do it today, so we're assuming they're going to do it tomorrow. So please lift her up in prayer. Uh, Please remember Joyce Wren. Joyce um, has begun chemo. And we'll take it each day through Sunday, and hopefully we'll come home Sunday afternoon. Uh, Eddie Paul had surgery yesterday, uh, has had a kind of a tough day, had to go to urgent care last night, but is at home. But please lift him up in prayer. Uh, Jan Bowes will have a scan done tomorrow. Please remember her. Uh, Franklin Briggs will also be back uh, in the clinic at Duke tomorrow. Please remember him. Ricky Dixon is still there. Earl Humphreys did come home um, 
from Hillcrest uh, Rehab uh, yesterday. Please remember him as he's back home. Please continue to remember Edgar Evans, Steve Evans' dad also. Let's pray together. Father, you are truly a God that loves us so much, and we are so thankful. Thank you that nothing shall separate us from your love. And thank you that, Father, we come tonight to worship you because you are worthy of our worship, of our time. God, I know that this is part of my responsibility as pastor and it's part of my duty and job description to be here for revival. But, God, I know that many have have given of their time. Uh, Lord, surely many are tired from working and then coming here. Uh, Lord, I especially thank you for the the young couples that have children that truly have their hands full during a week like this. But, God, I just thank you that we can be here. And I thank you, Father, that you blessed us each service. Thank you, Lord, for the words that Sean has brought to us from your word. Thank you, Father, that you've guided not only his heart and mind, but also his lips. And, God, we just thank you for Sean and Bethany and for their five sons. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless them, bless their ministry at Snowbird and at the church that they serve. And, God, just bless them and meet every need that they have, God. We, we pray when they do go back home that you would bless them with safe journey. And, God, we pray that you'll continue to use them in your kingdom's work. God, I thank you for all who have taken part in the revival. Lord, especially for the folks that have sung and played the instruments and worked the soundboard and God, just have done so much to make sure that people could come and, and be here and hear the word of God. Fathers, we gather. Lord, we want to take a few moments to pray for others. God, in a world that seems to be so self-centered, help us, Lord, as you did, to focus on the needs of others. Thank you, Father, that in knowing your son and his gospel, Thank you, Father, that we have got the greatest need of the world. And so I pray that you'll help us to share it. God, please again, bless his service. Speak through Sean. Bless the choirs. They'll sing again also. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good evening. I need to uh, set the record straight. I got home last night, and uh, Bethany, she was laughing at me. She said uh, that DSS was probably going to show up at our house. <laughs> I need to sec- set the record straight. I did not spank Levi for two hours. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. There was a standoff for two hours. And uh, another uh, another record uh, we need to set straight is uh, my mom, Gilda, and Kathy did not remember the incident with the baptismal pool, but Jason, Rusty, and myself did. <laughs> you be the judge, if it happened or not. Tonight we're going to be talking on making war on sin. And we're going to be looking um, at Ephesians six, fourteen through 20. But before we get there, we've already walked through our problem with sin. We did that Sunday night. Sunday morning, we looked at why we need the gospel, why we need to daily preach the gospel to ourselves. And now we need to see that we need to have the mindset, that mindset all of the time. I'm going to read out of 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Does anybody remember uh, the Rocky movies? I know the Rocky movies, they were some of my favorite movies growing up, and they still are. I have them all at the house, and the boys and I, we watch them pretty much all the time. Um, our favorite is number four um, when uh, the Russian goes down. But um, the one I want us to, to think about tonight is remembering the intensity that Rocky had in number one and number two when he had to go fight Apollo and the training and the discipline that he had when he went into that fight and that, that, that mindset of knowing he was going into a war. But then think about number three. When Rocky got soft, he got lazy, he got complacent, and he wasn't ready for the battle with Clubber, uh, what was it, Clubber Lang, Mr. T. And what happened in that fight? He got demolished, didn't he? And that's the mindset I want us to have tonight. In this wartime, we need to see every day as war against our sin. We have to be ready, always. Some of you tonight, you're getting your teeth kicked in because you're not ready. Some of you don't even realize you're in a battle. And that's a scary place to be. One quote that has always stuck with me, and I wrote it on my hand tonight before we came in. And it's always been a good reminder for me. And it's from uh, a pastor, um, John Owen. And it says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And that's what I want us to have that mindset as we go into this scripture tonight. Remember the conversation about my buddy Jason and how he he was so defeated when he finally talked to me. And and he was to the point where he just he he needed help. Until he really sought to grow in Christ and to learn how to use the weapons he had already been given, he struggled. He got defeated daily, day after day. He was defeated in his marriage. He was defeated as a dad. He was defeated as a friend. And he continually walked around just whooped. We are always under attack. So we must know our enemy and we must know how to fight with the weapons that we've been given. Stand with me now as we read from Ephesians. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present, present. Hold on, sorry against this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness 
and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that my... that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Lord, tonight I pray that you would teach us continually how to make war on sin. And Father, I pray that you would wake those up in here tonight that are not ready. They're not alert. They're not winning the battle. They're living defeated lives. They're living complacent lives. Sloppy lives. Messy lives, Father. Help us to take up the weapons that you've already given us as your children. Help us to realize, Father, that we are in a battle daily. And we're daily in need of your gospel. Father, I pray that you would speak through me, your instrument, your tool. May I be your mouthpiece for your gospel. And Father, may your spirit continue to fall heavy upon us and give us understanding, give us discernment, give us wisdom. Father, we need your understanding continually. We need your discernment. We need to discern what you're saying to us, how you're speaking to us. And Father, forgive us. Because we sin constantly against you, our good and gracious Father. But as a good and gracious Father, you discipline us, Father, and you bring us back to repentance. And you restore fellowship with us, and I'm so thankful for that. Because I mess up continually. Thank you for loving me, Father. Thank you for loving us. And it's so clear through the work of the cross, cross, Father. You sending your son, Jesus, to die in our place. Father, your wrath was poured out on him for us. And I thank you for that. But Father, we know he did not stay dead. He was resurrected. And he lives today. He is at your right hand. And he intercedes for us. He's continually interceding for us as his, as your children, Father, and coming to you on our behalf. And I thank you for that. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray that you would continue to pour that out on us tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we must know our enemies. Tonight we're going to be walking through three different enemies and we need to know who those enemies are first one we will look at and we looked at this some sunday night sunday night we walked through genesis 3 the fall we saw from that study the effects of adam and eve's sin on us we walked we talked about how no matter what we are going through in our lives sin is our biggest and deepest problem we still live in a body that has impulses and cravings that have not yet been redeemed 
our flesh, our sin is enemy number one. Enemy number two is the world. And we referenced this earlier this week as well. Enemy number two is the world. Love for love for or worship of anything outside of the worship of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world calls us to calls us and beckons us to follow anything and everything besides Christ. First John two fifteen says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, the reason you shouldn't love the world is that you can't love the world and God at the same time. Love for the world pushes out the love for God, and the, and lo, and the love for God pushes out the love for the world. Matthew six twenty four, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either hate, hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So don't love the world. Enemy number two. Enemy number three, demons and Satan. I'm going to spend more time here walking through what we know about this enemy. One, because it's referenced here in this Ephesians 6 passage by Paul. And because some of us have a skewed view of this enemy. Maybe you don't even believe he's real. Maybe you don't, you have bought into the TV version of this enemy and don't take his attacks seriously, but he is real and he is seeking to destroy and defame the name of Jesus. In Genesis 1, 31, like we saw the other night, everything was very good. Yet in Genesis 3, 1, we saw the serpent enter the garden God created and is deceiving Eve. We must gather then that somewhere between Genesis 1.31 and Genesis 3.1, there must have been a rebellion in the angelic world and the, and the literal war, and a literal war broke out. Second Peter 2.4 and Jude 6 seem to both record these events. In Revelation 12, there is a picture of redemption history beginning in Genesis 3 and ending in the future eternal triumph of Christ. We see there that a war is being declared on and waged against God's people. Our victory is certain first in Christ. Additionally, we are victorious through our own testimony and commitment to testify to the gospel unto death. In this passage, Satan is being driven out, driven, driven from the battlefield of heaven by Michael and cast down to earth where he makes war against God's people. In Jesus' ministry on earth, he routinely conquers demons that are controlling individual people. In Revelation 20, 7 through 10, in the end time, in, in the end of time, Satan and demons will cast out, cast, will be cast into hell and eternal judgment. Those are the, some of the things that we know about Satan and his demons. Things that we know from, from scripture about Satan and his demons. Number one, Sin originated with Satan. It originated with Satan in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Satan is the father of all lies. John eight forty four. Satan has sinned from the beginning. 1 John 3, 8. Number two, Satan and his demons oppose and try to destroy the work of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. In the Bible we see that demons, that demons use doubt, guilt, 
fear, confusion, sickness, envy, pride, slander, or any other means possible to hinder the Christian. Number three, Satan and the demons have limited power and are under God's authority. And we see that in Job one twelve, and also in 2.6. We must know and recognize our enemies. We must know who we are in Christ. So we must know our enemies, but also we, we must know and make sure we know who we are in Christ. We've spent a lot of time this week in the book of Ephesians. This book is filled with God's promises. As we have talked about already this week, we must seek to preach these truths to ourselves daily. The first thing I want us to look at tonight from this is we are in Christ. If we are his, we are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, for all eternity we are in him. Christ came to right the wrongs of the first Adam. And we see this in Romans 5.19. talks about Christ being the second Adam. The Adam that was going to make all the wrongs right. He is our own, he he is in our lives daily. We are in Christ, and we have to remember this and preach this to ourselves. Number two, Christ is in us. John fifteen five. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Number three, we are like Christ. We are to imitate Christ. Follow the example he has laid out for us in scripture. Number four, we are with Christ. Matthew twenty eight twenty. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember these truths daily and preach these truths to yourself. We are in Christ Jesus and he is in us. Christ is continually in us. He abides in us and we abide in him. And one of the evidences of that is that we bear much fruit. The third one we looked at, are we are like Christ, and we must follow his example, imitate him, and we are with Christ. We must take up our weapons. I'm going to read again out of Ephesians 6, 13 through 20. Therefore, take up the armor, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So now we're going to be looking at, as children of God, the weapons we've been given to fight sin on a daily basis. The first piece of armor I want us to look at, and Paul mentions mentions this, is the belt of truth. The Bible, as we study it, explains life to us. Christ is life. We never attain a place in this life where we outgrow our need and study for the word. 
Rather, the belt of truth spurs us on and to understand more and more about who God is and how he is revealing himself to us in his word. It's so important to stay in his word. I mentioned this the other day. The word of God is God's revelation of himself to us. And to say that we are not students of the word is equivalent to saying, I don't know who God is. Because to say that we are a student of the word means that we are getting to know God continually. So we must put on the belt of truth. Second, Paul tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. We continually need our hearts guarded. Jesus at salvation gives us his righteousness. This is called imputation of righteousness. But as followers of Christ, we are called to live holy and righteous lives. We are made righteous in Christ, but we daily pursue righteousness and faithfulness. How we live matters. Our life story matters. Remember the other day when we were talking about, does the story you proclaim with your mouth, the confession to know Jesus, does it match up with the way that your life is being lived? Does it match up with the story that your life is telling? And remember the illustration I gave of the young man we lost a few weeks ago on how our whole life we are preaching our funeral. What's going to be said of us at our funeral? We're preaching that now. So remember to pursue righteousness and faithfulness. Third, as shoes for your feet, your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. God is present and God loves you. The result of the gospel is that we have peace with God. We have hope in Christ and we need to wear these shoes daily to protect us from the struggles of life. So wear the gospel of peace as your shoes. Fourth, take up the shield of faith with which to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. When the enemy comes at us with tricks and lies, we must be prepared to defend ourselves with faith that really believes that God is our shield. He is our protector. He is our hope. Faith embraces the truth and uses it to protect our minds and our hearts from lies, fear, despair, and disaster. Take up the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. The fifth one, the helmet of salvation. Our salvation protects our mind. It drives back our enemies, knowing that Jesus defends us and he is our conquering king. We know that through the work of the cross, he has defeated sin and death. Put on the helmet of salvation. Daily preach the gospel to yourself. Sixth weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This sword, as Paul calls it, the, the word of God allows us to move forward in an offensive action. It allows us to expose the enemy in the places where he wants to mess up our lives. The word of God used properly teaches us to repent of pride. It teaches us to repent of self-righteousness. It teaches us to repent of self-pity. It teaches us to love and to live as Christ did. This is why it is so important to memorize scripture. When we are attacked, we go on the offensive and quote verses that will bring us back to the gospel. 
I mentioned earlier this week, Philippians 4, 6 through 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but by, by, by our prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God, and the peace which surpasses all of our understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. For me, that is a verse I go to when I need to go on the offensive. When I'm feeling attacked and I need to combat that attack and I need to combat that sin, that's a verse the Lord brings to mind. We need these verses. We need the word of God to combat our sin. Go on the offensive. Seventh, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Prayer is a powerful weapon, but it is not a soft and passive activity in this war. I love this quote from Pastor John Piper. We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it's certainly that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a walkie, a wartime walkie talkie for the mission of the church as it inv- advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in this den. Listen up, listen to that again. It's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in this den. Lord, make my life easier. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in this world. We need prayer for wartime we need prayer for, for war against sin. Paul is exhorting us to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and to keep alert. This reminds us of what happened to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Remember what they did in response. They fell asleep. Giving into their fear, giving into their doubt, giving into their discouragement. The whole situation then appeared to them chaotic and terrifying when those soldiers came for Jesus. But Christ prayed. He went to his Father. And he is now praying. He is ever, he is always and ever interceding for us. We too can learn to watch and pray, knowing that his prayers fuel our prayers. We need prayer. For wartime, we need prayer and these other weapons for our war against sin. We need to realize, folks, we are in a battle continually. We have talked about preaching the gospel to ourselves. We have looked at our deepest problem, and that's sin. And we've talked about our deepest problem being us. My deepest problem is me, my flesh. We need to know our enemies. We need to know who we are in Christ. And we need to know how to wield the weapons that God has given us. So tonight, as questions of reflection, how have you been doing in regards to this war? 
Like I said earlier, some of you may be surprised that we're even talking about war. That we're even talking about a battle. And if that's you, I have great concern for you. Many of you have come tonight not knowing that we were going to talk about war or a battle. And hopefully it's a wake-up call because you've been lazy and you've been complacent in your pursuit of Jesus. And I pray you would. I pray you would wake up tonight. Or some of you have been consumed by our enemies. Some of you are living defeated lives. Some of you are getting your teeth kicked in. Some of you are the Rocky of Rocky Three. And it's as if you're in this war with your hands down and your flesh and the world and Satan and his demons are having their way with you and you're living defeated. You're not pursuing the Lord. You're living without hope and you're living empty. You're living joyless. There is no peace. We have to realize who our enemies are and be relentless in the way we use the weapons God has given us. Let's make war on our sin. Let's preach the gospel to ourselves. We always have to continually remember this fight that we're in. And remember the quote of John Owen, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that this is a wake-up call for us. and Lord, I pray that we have seen tonight how we can run to you. Run to your word. Run to you by your spirit. Run to you in prayer and pick up this wartime walkie-talkie and cry out for help. Lord, I pray for those those of us sitting in here tonight that don't realize that we're in a war. I pray for those that know that they're in a war, but they've been lazy, they've been complacent, and they have been living a defeated life. Lord, I pray for those that haven't been living their lives and seeing life through the lens of the gospel seeing every platform that you've given them as a way to share the gospel and to reach the lost, reach those who are still trapped in darkness. Lord, that's our commission. You've commissioned us to go out and make disciples. And some of us just just simply aren't doing that. We're disobeying your command. We're being disobedient children. And I pray that tonight that would stop. Father, you love your children and you discipline your children. And I pray that that discipline and that repentance would start tonight for some of us. Lord, bring us to our knees. Lord, help us to see our need for you daily, continually. Lord, we can so easily lie to ourselves and, and pretend like everything's okay when it's not. We can fill our lives with selfishness, ball games, work. We can busy ourselves. 
we get used to the background noise and, and pretend like everything's okay. Going from momentary happiness to momentary happiness. But Father, you are the only source of true happiness. You are the only source of true joy. And I pray that you would show us that clearly tonight. Father, this, nothing else in this world matters but what we do with the gospel. This is not our home, Father, but some of it, some of us treat it as our home. Some of us are getting cozy and comfortable. And I pray that you would knock us out of that chair. Knock us out of that place of complacency and laziness. Father, I'm, I'm crying out to you for people that don't even realize what I'm talking about. They have no clue. Father, my prayer for this church and the people sitting in here tonight, for the young people, the next generation, is that Theresa Baptist Church would be a church that makes disciples, a church that goes out, not just Herbert, not just the deacons, but every member here, every attendee goes out and brings those who are lost and trapped in darkness here to be healed to grow in Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus. Father, I grew up here. I not only know how dark this place is, but I know how dark the world is. And you are our only light. The gospel is the only thing that can penetrate this darkness that we live in. Father, help us. I beg you. I beg you to help us. I plead with you. Deal with us. Deal with our minds. Deal with our hearts. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Verse one again. Sounds good to me. Yeah, four ninety nine.
Release the dragon. Amen. You got like the intro.